Well, it seems that a, there's a, Sorry. not by design, but a kind of common theme uh, in, in all of these talks, uh, namely a sort of discrepancy between fact on the one hand and myth on, on the other. There's the, the myth of uh, the climate of right-wing hatred that is said to have been responsible for the assassination. There's the, the myth of Kennedy, a Obama-like, I won't call them liberal exactly. In fact, I've, I've uh, often been puzzled by the, what happened to that word liberal. I mean, in its root, of course, it has something to do with freedom. But the way we use the word today, the way it's been appropriated by the left, it means virtually the opposite. Uh, those people who call themselves uh, liberals or called by the right liberals are distinguished chiefly by their illiberal behavior. It's a, it's a curious fact that the left has been able to monopolize uh, so effectively the rhetoric of virtue. They have all the nice words like liberal, and compassionate, and so on. Um, uh, but one thing that that, um, that J Jim Pearson said that I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, ask about is whether this the Kennedy legend was really the product of grief, which you said, or was it the product of something uh, less noble, something that begins not with a G but an M, a kind of Machiavellian uh, machination on the part of Jackie Kennedy and her uh, circle, not to um, enshrine their grief, but rather to further a political agenda. Um, well, I, I, I sort of suggested uh, something along those lines when I uh, said that the interpretation of the Kennedy assassination was somewhat continuous with the interpretation of the Victor Lasky book of the uh, Kennedy political career, which was uh, heavily uh, developed by image making and myth making uh, surrounding Kennedy and the Kennedy family. Um, I think there's, uh, there certainly is a very large part of this idea that the, uh, uh, this was interpreted to uh, extend the liberal interpretation of American politics. Uh, what could be clear? They were blaming the right for an assassination that was carried out by a communist. Uh, so uh, this certainly fit in with their interests in terms of promoting civil rights and domestic reform to continue this idea that the far right is a menace to the country. The only thing is that uh, I'm not sure this explains the widespread acceptance of these ideas. Now, I, I suppose you could say that the, someone like Reston, who is a prominent reporter for the New York Times, what's written in the New York Times is then recycled on the three major television networks at night, and this then dominates the interpretation. You could say that the, it's a very simple thing. The liberals controlled the news media, uh, they circulated this interpretation of the assassination to the public, 
and the public having no alternative, or the alternatives that they might listen to were discredited by the establishment press, uh, this, this viewpoint carried the day. You know, it took a little bit of time, however, for this to happen. The Warren Commission was by and large accepted when it was published. And it took a year or two for it to be questioned uh, and attacked. Now, the liberal view of the assassination even then made no sense, zero logical sense. That is to say, the right-wing culture of Dallas killed Kennedy, but a communist fired the shots. That's totally illogical. Nobody could really believe that. So the, the liberal view made no sense. Now, the communist view or the left-wing view, the conspiratorial view, at least had, though it conflicted with the facts, there is an aspect of logic to it, which was that Oswald didn't do it. Uh, and that's what they began to claim beginning in 1964 and 65. Oswald didn't do it, he was framed. And you could at least now render this consistent with this interpretation that the right did it. Uh, but Schlesinger, for example, in his book, A Thousand Days, which was on the history of the Kennedy administration, published in 1965, which is one of the hagiographical books on Kennedy, actually has the, uh, a quotation from Shakespeare from Romeo and Juliet to start it out. Uh, how does it go? Uh, cut them out in little stars and so on. Uh, this is all very packaged in this, uh, this way to elevate Kennedy as someone above all contemporary rivals. But he, as he gets to the end of the book, he spends several pages on the right-wing environment of Dallas. And then he stops. And now you go to the funeral and all the stuff. So the assassination itself and Oswald never plays a role in that history. In other words, these facts are too inconvenient for me to address in terms of the narrative that I've developed and want to develop, and I'm going to ignore them. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, uh, Roger. I, th I think it's some of both. Mm -hmm. Fred or I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, there's an element of myth-making in, in Reagan, too. I mean, My Michael Deaver you know, was legendary for finding uh, photogenic settings for, for Reagan to appear. And, you know, th there's nothing necessarily wrong with that so long as the myth that's being adv advanced is, is, is true. And, you know, whether Americans bought it or not, um, you know, I think to some extent the liberals believe what they want to believe and, 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 or the left believes what, what, what they want to believe and, and manage like that that guy who you know dismissed my argument as ridiculous without actually admitting not, that he didn't read the book, you know that just not taking, not willing to engage ideas or facts that might undermine it. Um, but I think that the fact that Reagan was willing to reach past it and and invoke Kennedy, uh, not just for the tax cutting, but also for the peace through strength and the military spending, and even uh, you know I. Well, I I'm not sure I can say it here in the city of uh, Mayor-elect Sandinista Bill de Blasio <laughs> uh, uh, in, in fighting communism here in the Western Hemisphere when 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 uh, Nicaragua was an issue. Uh, Kennedy talked about uh, Reagan talked about how Kennedy dealt with the Cuban Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, so uh, so yeah, I mean it's, the, the the myths are 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 strong, but I think it's possible to, to move past them. And I think myth-making, 
you know, we needed we needed a, a country needed a story to um, to make sense of what happened in, mm -hmm. in in Dallas, and and I think the left got there first, uh, um, or the you know when you held up that New York Times front page, it got there very fast, and and uh, and and that 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 story turned out. Uh, to be a powerful story. Yeah, just I would say that you know a myth is one thing, a legend is one thing, but a lie is something else. And I, I, I wonder if that chap in on Ceylon was a, who, who described your argument as ridiculous. Perhaps he's a follower of the 18th century divine Sidney Smith, who said he never read a book before reviewing it because <laughs> he found that it's so prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roger, you 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 had a great phrase once. You talked about. Uh, Kennedy assassination didn't make sense that such a small hinge could have moved such a large door. And I think that misses something, not about the events themselves. I think the Goldwater defeat, uh, the way Goldwater is crushed, allows these arguments to just flood through without any opposition. There is a sense that a new era is upon us. There's no point in debating these things. Uh, the question is, what do we do now? Uh, and the, 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 the cabinet that LBJ brings in is all academics. Uh, uh, John Gardner describes one cabinet meeting which was accidentally begun with uh, uh, a call to uh, welcome to the, to the faculty meeting <laughs> because it was, it was so much the, my only point about this is I think there, uh, without being Machiavellian, I think that the, the rise of social, the rise of expertise, the claims of expertise connect the promise of Kennedy with, with what would come after. And it, 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 obscures, it obscures the things that we've talked about today, this, the fact that you can't reconcile A and, a and B. So if we have these um, brilliant men running the government, well, that's really what counts. It's not until we realize that these brilliant men running the government, it's a little bit like what's going on right now, uh, that they have the faintest idea of what they're doing. You know, I, I, the other thing I would, I would say is, the other thing that happens in 63 that's crucial to why we don't understand Kennedy assassination is the Moynihan report. It sounds like, what's the, what's the, what's the connection between here? Well, the, like the Kennedy assassination, the Moynihan report, report requires liberals to systematically misunderstand the evidence placed before them. It's simply too painful. And so, um, can, you, can you just say a word or two about what what those uh, what the Moynihan well, report? The, 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 the Moynihan report was. Uh, Moynihan at this point it was it was assistant secretary of labor, not well known. Uh, the only thing he'd written uh, of, of consequence when he was in Al he had been in Albany, um, it was about driver safety. He, he anticipated much of what Ralph Nader would say, uh, without being uh, Nader-esque, what all that uh, implies. Um, so he 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 grew up in a family where his father had deserted the family. He was very sensitive to the absence of men in households and what that, what that meant. Um, and so in the Moynihan report, he notices the collapse of the black family. It's actually fairly advanced. I mean, in Harlem today, uh, only 15% of all African-American children are born in wedlock with, with uh, two parent families uh, surrounding them. When he was writing, it was 25%. The white percentage now is where the black percentage was then. Just this, so he sees this collapse, uh, 
but it's too painful for people to, feminists oppose it, that's later. But at the time, African-American leaders opposed it on the grounds that it's, um, uh, it's racist. You're, you're, blaming, you're blaming the victim. As, 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 that's the, that would be the terminology would come in in 71. But, but even before that term is used, that concept is there. You can't, you can't talk about this. The problem is, is what Americans have done to African-Americans. We can't have an honest discussion of this, and we haven't. We haven't had an honest discussion. It's now a half century later, and we still have never discussed this, and I don't know when we will. Uh, so the president, our current, uh, our current president, dear leader, uh, can, can talk about these things as if they, didn't, as if they don't exist, as if the failure, the, 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 the failure of social policies are a function of uh, a malevolent, and this is the Machiavellian part, uh, I think Machiavellian, you know, evil, mean, uh, uh, low-down, uh, knuckle-dragging Republicans. And so you don't have to deal, you don't have to deal with this decomposition of the, of, of the black family. Ed, oh, do, do we have, I think we have, a, we have a microphone, so wait for the microphone, so. I just had a comment. Jim brought up the Manchester book. And uh, as you probably know, I reviewed it for commentary called Manchester Unexpurgated. And the Kennedy family gave me all the memos, Arthur Schlesinger's memos, Robert Kennedy's memos, all of which you can have the new criterion if you want to have them. In those memos, the book was originally entitled Death of Lancer after Sir Lancelot. It was a conscious effort at myth-making, the entire book. It doesn't mention Oswald once in the book. His name is not mentioned. Because, what you say, hide the assassin, bring up the issues. But Manchester, who had written before a, um, he idolized Kennedy and wrote a book in 1961 or two about Kennedy, he got carried away much more than they expected. And I have this marvelous memo from Arthur Schlesinger to Robert Kennedy saying, we have to stop the guy. He's gone crazy. One of the things he did was take this right-wing atmosphere and insert Lyndon Johnson in it, starting off with a scene at the beginning of the book of a deer hunt where Johnson kills a deer with a rifle, very much analogous to Oswald killing Kennedy, but not mentioning Oswald. At this point, Schlesinger says, we are open to the criticism that the subtext of the Manchester book was that Lyndon Johnson killed Kennedy, who he hated. Can we tone that down? Now, I say this because the Manchester book is now looked at as sort of a respectable book. Maybe it got a little more respectable over time. But certainly, the myths weren't just taking him to a photo opportunity. It was sitting down, commissioning a book. All the Kennedy people were forbidden to speak to any other journalist. The, uh, uh, they inserted their own man on the Warren Commission, uh, Howard Willens from the Department of Justice, whose job was to suppress anything that went against the Kennedy myth. So that's all I have to say, but it wasn't accidental, the myth. Could I comment, just comment? I had not known uh, 
Edward, that the Manchester book does not mention Oswald. I don't think that's true. It mentions the assassin, but I think he left out the name Oswald. Hmm. He refers to the assassin then. Walter? seems to me that the, the Kennedy assassination did at least have the benefit of leaving this blank slate as to what Kennedy might have done in his, in his, uh, the rest of his years in office. Uh, while everyone was talking, I couldn't get a certain sort of Gedanken experiment out of my mind, and I hope this was not a, a federal crime even thinking this, but <laughs> let us say our president had been tragically struck down two and a half years into his presidency by an environmentalist wacko or a, one of the Sarnayev brothers, if there's another one left, or a Occupy Wall Street person. I wonder, 10, 20, 30 years later, what the legend would be. Um, the mind boggles at, what they, at who would have been implicated in this. Anyway, just a little piece of fluff to consider. We can be sure that it would have been a right way. Can't happen. Uh, now that it's collapsed, or is collapsing, we hope. That's not going to be well, I, open to that. I, I was just going to say, though, that just one pertinent point about this is that the, this, the, whole, the Kennedy legend business, I think, was crafted. I hadn't known this, what Edward just said, but as, as events picked up in the 1960s, people began retrospectively to interpret this thing differently because the radical movement picked up speed in the 1960s, uh, and partly because of the opposition to the war in Vietnam. And the people began to think, and they had riots in the cities, and then you have the assassinations of Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King in 1968. So by 1968, the country seems to be coming apart. When, when Kennedy went to Dallas, we had a very stable country and a popular president. But people began to think, wow, if Kennedy had not been shot, then all these terrible things wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have had an escalation of the war in Vietnam. We wouldn't have had all these riots in the cities, crime wouldn't, all these other things wouldn't have happened. So they began to think that this was a big turning point. And then this then began, the, they then grabbed onto the Kennedy assassination and began to use it as an indictment of the country. See, the, the, uh, this is such a violent country, we even killed our president. And this then, by 1968, is one of the items in the general left-wing indictment of the United States. So there's a, a, obviously an irony or a paradox there in the sense that a communist shoots the president, and within five years, people are saying that this proves how bad the country is. The, 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 the Goldwater thing connects here as well. Uh, before Kennedy is assassinated, it, it, it looks like the 64 race is gonna be somewhat competitive. Kennedy isn't, doesn't look like he, he's worried about the South. That's part of how he governs. Um, it, it looks like you're going to have a somewhat competitive race in 1964. Once Kennedy is assassinated, that's all pushed away. In fact, Goldwater says to one of his uh, aides, that this is it, we're going to lose in a landslide. And when, when, when Johnson comes in, when jo I, mean, I, I would just add to what Jim said, when Johnson comes in and, es and escalates in Vietnam, uh, there's, there's a rejection in toto of American government, and Kennedy is cut off from that. It's something he sometimes mentioned, but it falls. Vietnam falls squarely on, not on Eisenhower, not on Kennedy. It, it's not. It, it, it's it's Johnson's fault, or then later it would be Nixon's fault. But Kennedy, Kennedy, because of his death, is absolved. I think is largely absolved of of what went on. 
Amanda? Or, or Ira, do you want to? Well, add no, to? I mean, I would just point out, and, and of course, that's, it doesn't really, again, fit, fit the facts because the escalation of American uh, troops in Vietnam started under Kennedy, and that so did the anti-war movement. I mean, the Students for a Democratic Society was founded at Port Huron in 1962 during the Kennedy administration, and there were anti-Vietnam War full-page ads in the New York Times magazine and letters to the editor in the New York Times during the Kennedy uh, ad administration. And even the New York Times had turned on Kennedy during Vietnam to the point where Kennedy called in Arthur, uh, Arthur Ox Salzberger in, into, the, uh, in, into the White House and asked him to um, remove the New York Times correspondent in, in, in Saigon, David Halberstam, uh, because he, he thought Halberstam's reporting was uh, unreliable and biased against the, the, the administration. Uh, Salzberger responded by telling Halberstam to cancel a scheduled vacation so it didn't look like the Times was caving into the pressure from the White House uh, and press coverage of the war. I find a little puzzling um, some of the uh, points of view expressed this morning, especially around this myth, the myth-making um, anti so the communism issue, because um, Robert Kennedy served on, um, on the staff of Senator McCarthy and actually was in, very much involved um, in the hearings and was fervently anti-communist. So I, I think what I'm trying to deal with is this thought that, that, that the post-assassination, the Kennedys were part of trying to suppress that, that side and, and embrace this left-wing point of view because it wasn't part of their history and it certainly wasn't part of Joe Kennedy's history. So I, I'd, I'd like to hear the comment on that. And the other point I wanted to make was the puzzlement about um, the attitude of the American people. I think you have to take into account the role that Hollywood played, um, and particularly the Oliver Stone JFK movie. I think that really resonated in the minds of the American people much more than anything that had been written. So I just love, love to hear your comments on that. Point. Fred, do you want to say something? That movie comes much later. When, he, when, he, when that movie comes out, he's, he's playing off what turned out, to, unfortunately, to be widely accepted themes. On the Robert Kennedy thing, you're absolutely right. I remember at an anti-war rally in about 1968, standing up and talking about Bobby Kennedy. This is before he'd been assassinated, about Bobby Kennedy and the McCarthy Committee, um, and what his role was, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the disinterest, I could, I could have cut the disinterest with a knife. <laughs> Not the, the only thing that was important was that Bobby Kennedy had laid out a program to unite black and white. Uh, he, was, he was the better version of George Wallace. And get the hell out of here. We, 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 don't, we, don't want, we, we don't want you to confuse us. The, the, this, question, this question of pushing aside facts that Jim, uh, Jim writes about so well and, and Ira writes about so well uh, it, it persists. Uh, it, it's, I, find, I find it hard. It's mystifying. But it's persistent. Think about the poverty programs. How, how can Bill de Blasio get up and, excuse me for mentioning a, a, the, the local dear leader, uh, uh, 
get up and talk about uh, he's going he's to advance uh, kids' achievements. When Head Start has failed now for, for 45 years, he knows that, I know that, anyone, who's, anyone who, who looks at this knows that, it doesn't matter. He just, he just blathers about it. It's, I mean, what, this, is, I mean this is somewhat simple. This is really just a babysitting program. And many, many middle class people will like this because it's big, which sounds like I'm, I'm far off, but I'm not. Because, because de Blasio said things in the campaign that were transparently nonsense. And he, w he wasn't challenged. It's, it's not, it's, it, it's, it's not the, we've unfortunately um, gone off into cloud cuckoo land uh, on a collective basis when it comes to these kinds of social questions. In, in part because Vietnam and, and the turmoil over Vietnam overwhelmed and race and the riots simply overwhelmed all evidentiary and practical considerations. So the social scientists that took over from in, in, in the Johnson administration and designed the poverty programs, when Aaron Wildowski in the early, anyone remember Aaron Wildowski? Sure. Yeah, sure. Incredibly smart guy. When he goes into Oakland in the early 70s and says, holy mackerel, this is a disaster. He writes a piece that just tears apart all the assumptions of the great society. Had no resident, outside of what was emerging as neoconservatives, neo had no reaction, no response whatsoever. The, the, I, I'm sorry to go on. This, this, this subject obviously makes me slightly mad. And on, on the involvement of the Kennedy family, there's a couple of, I think, pieces of evidence in my, in my book on the point. And um, I would th that make the point that it actually wasn't at least Jackie and Bobby Kennedy trying to depict JFK as somebody who made a sharp turn to the left in the final months of his administration and was going to be a peacemaker. Uh, so, for example, here's Jackie Kennedy in a taped interview with Arthur Schlesinger in, um, between March and June of 1964. A quote from Jackie, when things got nicer about Khrushchev, you know, after the detente and everything, he always used to say, well, remember what he said after Vienna, that he really is a gangster, and so everybody mustn't get deluded. But if you deal with him out of firmness, it's different. But he never wanted people to think that now Khrushchev is the sweet, benign, undangerous person. Um, so I think she was realistic about it. Here's Bobby Kennedy in an April 1964 oral history interview about, about Vietnam. Um, Bobby Kennedy, um, uh, here's a questioner. There was never any consideration given to pulling out of Vietnam? Kennedy, no. The president was convinced that we had to keep, had to stay in there? Kennedy, yes, and couldn't lose it. Kennedy, yes. Um, so it was really only in the 1970s, once it became clear that Vietnam was such a disaster, that uh, Teddy Kennedy and, and, and um, Larry O'Donnell, I'm saying Ken O'Donnell, and, and uh, some of the other uh, Kennedy uh, hangers-on has started to make these claims that, oh, there was, Kennedy would have withdrawn from Vietnam. Well, this goes a little bit to the kind of the bizarre aspect of this because the, the liberal view somewhat about Oswald was that, well, why would a communist ever want to kill the president? Uh, in the sense that uh, President Kennedy was somewhat sympathetic to uh, uh, a a liberal view of the Cold War, so why would a communist ever want to kill him? That's the thing that made no sense to the liberals. So this is one of the reasons why the Oswald thing 
was so contradictory to them. It made much more sense for a right winger to have shot the president, but it made no sense to them to think that a communist would, would do it because the motive, they couldn't figure out a motive. We only got the information somewhat later when we learned more about Castro and the efforts against Castro's life, maybe Ed will speak about that, that put Oswald's motivations in a, in a clearer context. The other thing was that the Warren Commission was somewhat, I think, committed to the official view of the assassination, which was that ideological views had to be played down in the assassination, and personal aspects of the assassin had to be emphasized so that he didn't get along with his wife, he couldn't keep a job, he had problems with authority, uh, th things of that nature, and he wanted to make a mark on history. This is more or less why he did it. I think Ed reports in his study of the Warren Commission that it was only Gerald Ford who insisted that Marxism be put in as one of the motivations of Oswald. So you could read the Warren report, and people mentioned this after the fact that we still, Oswald did it, the Warren report says, but we don't know why. It doesn't deal with, that, with his motives. It's because the ideological aspect is played down uh, in the Warren Commission report. And I think that was probably by design. Um, you can speak to that, Edward. Um, so that was one of the things that contributed to the confusion in that period. We never really understood at the time how, who, who Oswald was or why he would act in this way. And one of the difficulties was is that once, once these things got established in the public mind, facts could never catch up with them. So that over the, over the decades, we've had many revelations about the Kennedy White House and more information about Oswald and so on, but none of it ever seems to matter in terms of changing the interpretation of the thing. The same thing keeps coming back. You get this article in the Times about Dallas. Frank Rich wrote something very similar a couple years ago. The facts never really catch up with the interpretation. Um, uh, it's a little bit like, you know, you tell the lie on page one and you make the correction on page 51, and it, and it never catches up with it. So. Uh, all these things contributed to it, what I call the confusion surrounding the Kennedy assassination. In fact, that trip to Cuba that Oswald makes that I think Edward might talk about, or not to Cuba, but to Mexico City to get a visa to travel to Cuba in September of 1963, that's covered in several disjointed pieces of the Warren Report. But it supplies no narrative as to what Oswald was really up to. And, and trying to make that trip to get a visa to travel to Cuba and so on. Uh, so I think that would speak to Roger's thought that this was uh, somewhat deliberately crafted to s submerge the ideological motive, the Cold War aspect of the Kennedy assassination. And a, a lot of different people had motives for doing that. Even J. Edgar Hoover, the arch-communist hunter, did not want the communist thing played up. Why? Because the FBI would be responsible for tracking down a communist who wanted to kill the president, who tried to go to Cuba, uh, tried to get a visa to try and defected. The, so that's the, something the FBI should be able to stop. The FBI can't stop a lone nut. If a lone nut killed the president, well, maybe we're, we can be let off the hook. Um, and uh, of course, the CIA did not want to lay bare these plots that they had been working on to kill Castro, and that never became part of the record either. So uh, 
Edward tells the story very well as to how all this happened. Other questions? Walter? Think by coincidence, I happened to have dinner with somebody whose close friend was on the Warren Commission uh, who assured me they had all the facts and that their conclusion as to the identity of the shooter was, not, was never in doubt, but that Earl Warren insisted that this be handled sort of like a Supreme Court case, that the, the decision comes down and then nobody talks about it. No interviews, no post-mortem on the report. So in a sense, that sort of silenced a lot of, I would imagine, uh, a lot of things that might have been said by members of the uh, commission. They've been allowed to. Well, he, d he didn't silence uh, the Warren Commission. I interviewed all the members of the Warren Commission when I was an undergraduate, a junior at college. Uh, they all spoke to me. I spoke to the staff, and they gave me all their memos. So maybe he himself, Warren, took a pledge. But uh, they weren't silenced, the Warren Commission. Journalists were just lazy and didn't go out and speak to them. But getting to the point that you raised, the Warren Commission itself had doubts about Oswald's motives. John J. McCloy insisted to put in a report that although they were all sure there was one assassin, they could not prove a negative. This was McCloy's words. It's in the report. Therefore, they could not exclude the possibility that there were people behind Oswald. So there you have it, the whole conspiracy theory is right there in the commission. When the New York Times published the Warren Report and the Washington Post published it with uh, prefaces by Harrison Salisbury in the Times, I don't remember who did the Post, they summarized the report. When they summarized the report, they left the commission's conclusion that it was possible someone was behind Oswald out and they said the commission decided one man, one man alone did it. So it, journalism played a major role in bringing about uh, the idea that there were no open questions. The commission did have questions for that. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about, not the commission, but I'll talk about the Cuban thing at lunch. Other questions? Yes, no. Um, can I ask you, first of all, thank you very much for organizing this. It's been fascinating. What do you think the chances are that the facts will eventually break through and the myth will crumble? And will it happen in our lifetime? Personally, I think that the, uh, the chances that the facts will triumph are slender. And I think that, uh, I mean, if you're talking about it is at, in culture at large. And one of my colleagues at, at, in Encounter Books, we were talking about um, this conference. He said, well, yes, we, we studied the the uh, Kennedy assassination in, in, uh, in my college. Uh, it's a good college. Um, and it, we were told that Kennedy was killed uh, by the climate of right-wing hatred in Dallas. It, you know, no, uh, no discussion. It just, so I think in terms of the public face of this, the public understanding of it, I, I think the chances are slender. And I think that uh, the chances of its crumbling in our lifetime are practically nil. I think one interesting question is, are there f other facts that might be revealed about this that we don't know? And that's a hard question to ask. I think that the, I think President, uh, the first George Bush 
assign some order to declassify all sorts of documents relating to the Kennedy assassination. This is now 20 or so years ago. And some of it has come out. None of, and we always hoped that in the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union collapsed, there would be information that would come out, that might come out. But that, that didn't happen either. And you know, perhaps a lot of the documents that existed were destroyed on November 22nd, 1963. But there are still a lot of uh, CIA documents that are still classified relating to this event that at some point in the future might get themselves declassified, might, might reveal something. Uh, that would be of a factual nature. The larger question is, will, can the facts ever penetrate the legend that was erected? Uh, that seems somewhat uh, unlikely. However, we are 50 years beyond this event. You have to be probably about 60 years of, old, of age or more even to have any recollection of it. The Kennedys are largely out of public life. Uh, so I think this is an event that is, is uh, and the Cold War, of course, is over. Uh, so this is an event that is somewhat passing or receding into history. One interesting thing, of course, is that Castro is still in power. <laughs> uh, so that, that uh, you know, in a bizarre way, Oswald may have achieved his goal in the sense that he eliminated Kennedy and when Johnson came into office, he stopped uh, this uh, campaign against Castro and uh, all the assassination attempts and so on and reoriented his concerns to Vietnam. And Cuba was somewhat taken off the radar screen of the Cold War, which it had dominated in the early 1960s. You know, uh, Noel, I think you know, there's more than one myth at work uh, in this whole story. And it seems to me that if John Kennedy's reputation as a dashing, articulate, uh, um, attractive world leader can survive the many revelations about his behavior that have come forward in the last couple of decades, then um, these myths can survive anything. 